Hi, I'm Tim Sonova, and welcome to Work Shouldn't Suck, a podcast about, well, that. On this episode, we're getting a glimpse behind the scenes of the Workplace Ethical Reopening Summit taking place online Tuesday, April 27th. If you're listening and think, ooh, that sounds cool, head over to workshouldn'tsuck.co and click the banner to find out more. But before we dive into the discussion, it wouldn't be a Work Shouldn't Suck episode without welcoming to the show podcasting's favorite co-host, Lauren Ruffin. So without further ado, hey, Lauren, how's it going? Oh, so good to be back in the chair, Tim. It's been a long time. It's been a long time since we've done this. The, the, the podcast chairs are a little bit dusty. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Got some WD-40. Get the squeaks I- out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. That's how it felt when I sat down and plugged in the mic. I haven't had these headphones on in a while. Yeah. Yeah. This is, it's, I've, I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, me too. This time last year, we were hosting our daily live stream, The Morning-ish Show. At this point, we were just over a week into interviewing what ended up being 33 amazing guests over the course of five weeks. We started that show almost immediately after the world shut down with the onset of COVID, as people were trying to quickly figure out how to work remotely when they'd never given any thought to it, and many of them being the same people that for years said, nope, there's no way our company could ever go remote. It also was at a time when we were trying to figure out how to get toilet paper. Should we wear masks? How do you make masks at home with no sewing supplies? How do you sew? And we're in my home of New York City. We are seeing infection rates skyrocket. A field hospital was constructed in Central Park, and mobile morgue trucks were parked around the city. There was a great deal of uncertainty and worry that almost all of us felt, having never lived through something like this before. We're nearly a year on, and a year that has felt like a decade, depending on the day. And so much has happened. Many of us are holding different but related worries and concerns. And with the vaccine doses being made available across the country, many are starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. But as one friend recently remarked, the light we're heading towards is not the same as the light we see in the rearview mirror. For the first time in a year, many people are starting to think about what a social schedule looks like and finally being able to see and hug their vulnerable loved ones. One place where we're seeing different and similar concerns as this time last year is in our workplaces, particularly those who went nearly or fully remote last year and are starting to bring people back together again in the office. Lauren, you and I have talked about how workplaces aren't simply going to be able to unflip the switch from last March and April and go back to business as usual, or they're not going to be able to play back everything in reverse to reopen safe workplaces. So, Where are you sitting with all of this right now? I'm someone who's like 15 years past wanting to go out a whole lot anyway. I think one of the most interesting things about talking to folks like our colleague Nina, who like is an extrovert, is out all the time, goes to concerts, goes to movies, like is out and about in the scene. I don't know that my life changed a whole lot when, except for travel, which I did a lot, but I don't know that things changed a whole lot for me. And I'm super privileged about that. And I don't think that I'm you know, looking forward to changing much, you know, I'm still gonna be sitting in the house right here. Um, But what I am thinking a lot about is in terms of ethical reopening, is like still the uncertainty, like, I feel like we've got a light at the end of the tunnel, people feel that way. But like, there's still not a lot that we, we, there's still some things about vaccines that we don't know, like, are we gonna need boosters? What the efficacy rate is? And I also wonder for I I wonder about like, you know, because it's us, 
what about insurance? What are the insurance requirements going to be like for, for us to be live? So, you know, I have that high level sort of personal stuff and then getting into the granular details about like, what is this actually going to be like? The summer is going to be really interesting, like, you know, legal liability type stuff. So I'm mostly sitting tight just to see how we're going to end up. What are you thinking about? I'm thinking about how we knew this was going to happen. And yet still, it feels really rushed. Much like, you know, we knew at some point there was going to be a vaccine. And at some point, things would need to be like rolled out. And yet it's like we, we felt like a lot of times it waited until like, oh, now we have it. Now it needs to be rolled out. Now we need to figure out this thing. It kind of feels like that where, yeah, we, we knew at some point we were going to start to reopen. And now it feels like, oh, crap, it, the, date, the date's coming. Things are starting to pick up. And Two weeks ago, as it usually happens with our conversations, we were just shooting the shit and rolling around a few different ideas when we said, hey, wait, we should really spin up a convening to discuss all of these workplace reopening questions. Let's effectively take what we did over the span of five weeks last year and condense it into a half-day summit, which is what became the Ethical Reopening Summit. Part of the reason we condensed production time is that we started feeling things speeding up so rapidly toward reopening that many important questions were being largely, if not entirely, left unexplored and unanswered. So, Lauren, what do you think are the biggest questions workplaces should be wrestling with right now? And what are the questions you're wrestling with most yourself? You know, things happen to us, us as in like humans, that we don't consent to, right? Like we saw and like the cascading effects of things like uh, the, gig, the gig economy, right? So, Uber sort of kicked that off. And if we had known in 2009, 2010, what Uber would usher in in terms of loose, loose labor, gig economy type stuff, no benefits, at will employment to that degree, I wonder what we would be what we would have said back then, about the fact that now that something like 30 or 40% of the population is operating as some in some kind of way as a 1099 employee, that just kind of happened to us. And I'm thinking similarly, like, what are the things that are just happening to us that feel you know, maybe not, there are sort of either things that are hard to see or that are happening so incrementally that we almost don't notice the change. And I think writ large, the thing I'm thinking the most about is accountability. Because what we're seeing happen incrementally is that organizations and leaders are becoming accountable to either entirely new populations of people that they weren't always, they didn't necessarily always think they were accountable to, or they're accountable to members and staff and other stakeholders in ways that they have never been accountable to them for. And conversely, communities are demanding accountability in a way that, you know, because there are all these things that have happened from the uprising to Me Too to, you know, that stuff didn't go away. So I think leadership has changed and accountability has changed. And I, I want us to be able to put our finger on that pulse and maybe help people see it a little bit more clearly, like the systemic changes around accountability that might not be visible if we're not really pausing to take a really clear look at it. I'm sure this is going to come up as a theme in uh, in our conversations on on April 27th. We have a, a whole host of amazing people, 20 speakers, more work being added um, by the minute for our sessions. We start with some of like the real questions we heard people asking as, as we were having one-on-one conversations with people in other organizations and and getting pinged about different things. How can I maintain a sense of community, connection, and shared purpose as I manage different kinds of organizational cultures, the fully on-site culture, the fully remote culture, uh, and a hybrid approach, which is something that we we talk about a lot when we moved in 2019 to be an entirely virtual organization. 
partly because we are managing four plus organizational cultures and it was confusing and it was exhausting for everyone. Yeah. So I to- we totally get this question. Another one, um, how can I employ and invent different organizing frameworks to share more power and equity in my organization's decision-making? Mm-hmm. One that's near and dear to our hearts as, as well as mm-hmm. we shared leadership, have engaged in shared leadership co-CEO model for four plus years and, and with your, your co-op crux. That has a direct link to one of our sessions. The next one I see is all over Twitter. COVID-related employment law oh, yeah. seems to change daily. It's like, yeah. It's, it doesn't exist. It's happening in real time. It's, so it's like, what what's legal? What's not? What can I ask? I was on a call last week and someone said, there's a question about, can we require employees to be vaccinated? But if we're a touring company and we go into a different theater, we don't know about their employees or the contractors that people bring us. So a lot of quickly evolving employment law issues here. So have someone talking about that, who's more of an expert than us on Twitter. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, very much so. Um, have a brilliant employment attorney with us. Uh, another cool cool one, um, and we'll, we'll get a little bit more into some of this um, in a bit. How can I intentionally approach reopening my workplace with environmental impacts in mind? Something that... Um, we heard in, in a couple of sessions that we've been a part of is, you mentioned now that travel is almost near zero for most organizations or for many organizations, how can we build back, if you will, in a way that more fully centers our impact on the planet and people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one. I think just because I spend so much time thinking about digital life. I think there are so many benefits from like being able to spend more time with your family to safer commutes. I don't know if you've looked at like the transportation data lately, but like car crashes are down, you know, things like that. I'm I'm really excited about that session. Yeah, me too. It's something that really has just in the past year really connected with with me around workplace um, design in, in a in a way that I feel like we actually can do something about it that that wasn't really possible pre pre COVID. Because, yeah, all those questions about, like, we have to travel here. We have to go here. Oh, you have to do this. We're like, all right, well, we spent a year figuring out that we don't, and we could do it in different ways. So, yeah, really looking forward to that one. So, we're we're kicking off the day with a session called A Year in the Life, uh, where we take a look at the past year and think about what we've we've learned and what new knowledge we have that can help us craft thriving workplaces. And we have two amazing people, return guests. Cyrus Marcus Ware and Vanessa Roanhorse. Yeah. And and you're technically moderating that. So good luck. I don't yeah, I don't know how I'm gonna moderate that. That's just a conversation, right? It's like a it's like a cozy morning fireside chat with a little bottle of bourbon between us. They're well, they're both people who you could just ask you're gonna just have to ask them one question and they're gone. Yeah, exactly. That's the only reason why I get trusted to moderate that one. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Well, and that's so that's our our opening main stage. Then we have six breakout sessions that run two each hour. The first, so that starts at eleven Eastern time, AM Eastern time, and then at noon Eastern time, we have a session called "Newish to Organizational Anti-Racism Work." A lot of questions about, especially since um, last summer when George Floyd was murdered, uh, a lot of organizations contacting us about. Should I hire um, a consultant or start a task force? Or what books would, would you re- recommend reading? Or should we have caucusing? So we have two more amazing people. Our former colleague, Courtney Harsh, who's now the CEO of, of by for all and Tiffany Wilhelm, who has worked with us at, at Fracture Atlas and also with Courtney. 
talking about that. I think technically you're on that panel, but this might be one we need to change up. Another softball you've thrown me, if so. Yeah, my favorite thing about presenting with Courtney is I don't ever have to take a front seat. I'll let Courtney drive that one. I think this is, a, yeah, I, I'm seeing a, a theme here where like the yeah. sessions you're moderating, you just have to ask one question and then the 45 minutes later, done. I know you did this because you love me. Like that's exactly, <laughs> find find yourself a co-CEO who knows, who knows your strengths and weaknesses. <laughs> <laughs> Dear colleague of ours, Diane Ragsdale is moderating the session Mental Health and Wellbeing Amid a Global Pandemic. We have a session looking at the psychological impacts of the global pandemic and the things we hold as as we're thinking about spending time in workplaces with people we don't know where they've been and being unmasked and all these other things that sort of we didn't have to use to think about or many of us haven't had to think about before. So we have uh, Joan Lee Wagner, who's amazing. I was on a panel uh, with her early in in the pandemic. Um, she's the vice president of people operations for Common Future. Shannon Litzenberg does work with embodied leadership. And our colleague, uh, Sophia Park, is amazing, doing a lot of work around community building and also is a co-founder and co-director of a visual art collective that was a physical-based art collective and now is a a virtual-based art collective. They're really doing, like, they have a dope virtual gallery that I, like, love whenever they unveil the new one. It's, it's It's so awesome. I'm really looking forward to to the conversation with the four of them. They all have such different perspectives and work around the topic that that's going to be great. So the next session, employment law and COVID, this is the one where we're going to dig into all of our real life questions about how do we like what's legal, what's not, how do we create a workplace free of COVID hazards. Andrea Milano, who works at Pillsbury and is an employment attorney there specializing in employment law and nonprofits. Uh, has written a lot about the ever-evolving space of of COVID and and employment law. So that's going to be a great, we're going to have unlimited questions, I'm sure. Yeah, I feel like that's one where she's going to leave and be like, you go you go to some events and you leave with the equivalent of so many business cards. You don't know what to do. I think she's going to be like the rock star. All the rest of us are really standing on the sidelines watching the crowd like flock to her after she's done. I was in a session with uh, Pillsbury a number of months ago. And it's like the number of questions that are just flying in because one one question all of a sudden gets another four questions, and then it's one of those those uh, you know, exponential yeah. expanding sessions. Yeah, and this is an area of law that like just has not been developed at all. And I I mean I think that's the interesting thing. There's like what you're legally required to do, and then it's like what can we imagine together? You know, like that's that's sort of to me the really exciting part about where we are with this pandemic is like we could fundamentally decide to work in a completely different way and to hold ourselves to like a higher standard, not just like make sure you're, you know, you've got those ergonomic chairs. What could this look like? How can we go above and beyond? That's one of my favorite things about employment law. It's, I mean, as a, a former musician, I really think of it as theme and variation. Like what does employment law say that you have to do? Great. That that's, that's the space in which we operate, but like how can in that space that, that sometimes is pretty rigid, Mm-hmm. We can be creative and come up with with places that we want to work and that align with our values. And 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 I'm really excited about this session mm-hmm. because I think there there are new constraints and also a reimagining, if you will, some things that have been around for for decades, like the OSHA general duty clause. It's always been there. I mean, it's not always, it's always. been there, but it's it's been there for for you know quite a while. 
that requires workplaces to provide a workplace safe from from hazard. But now when COVID is the hazard, how do you interpret that? And or as a workplace, how how do we do that thing when it's not just worrying about live wires and nails and and other things? Now this is very much a we're in a an office environment where we didn't really have to think about dangerous chemicals maybe in in our space. So I mean, I gotta tell you, I'm so grateful that Congress didn't actually pass that liability situation where where employers would be exempt. That to me would have just been horrific. So I'm really glad that we still have the freedom to have the conversation instead of defaulting to like the floor, which is actually in hell. Like that's just the lowest, (laughs) it's the lowest possible way that we could go. So yeah, I'm stoked. You know, certainly changes the conversation for the ethical reopening summit. If Mm -hmm. if Congress had passed that, I'm sure there'd be a different conversation. Probably. Much less ethical for sure. The next session, we, we've already talked a little bit about intentionality and environmental impacts. Alexis Fraz, Vijay Matthew, and Aaron Woods are going to, to um, lead us in that conversation, doing a lot of really interesting, uh, exciting work in the space. Vijay blew my mind in a, a session that I was in a couple months ago where he calculated his carbon footprint for the Zoom call that we are on which sort of opened my mind to all the different ways we can think about this as, as workplaces and really expansively about the, the not just a carbon footprint, but envir- environmental impacts from light and sound and what's our role as smaller organizations. Many of us don't work for multinational organizations that have you know, hundreds of thousands of employees. So what role should we all be playing here? Yeah, no, that's exactly right, Tim. So our next one, this one I know is near and dear to your heart in, in multiple ways, alternate power and decision-making models, where we're going to be looking at different ways to share power, decision-making, and ownership. I'm so excited about this one. Jason and I go way back. He is my attorney with Crux and helped me form a co-op and is one of the foremost sort of um, well-known cooperative attorneys in, in the country um, and like leads, like pushes my thinking so often. Um, so I'm really excited to be here with him. And then House with the Sierra Club. Yeah. They're doing some interesting work around shared leadership. So yeah, this is going to be a really fantastic session that like really is about letting go. You know, we talk about seeding power versus seeding power, C-E-D-E versus S-E-E-D. We need to come up with a better way for that to like translate when we're like on a podcast. I've got an AR app that like I really just want to like have little images of like a plant bursting up from the soil versus like... I don't know, a celebration of like seeding confetti coming down. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But it's definitely an AR app. Well, I look forward to the rollout. It'll happen in the 2040. When I have time. When I have time in 2040. <laughs> so you're, you're blocking that far, <laughs> far out. Wow. Well, and then one thing that we've been talking about that's been a theme really throughout all of these is what, going to be highlighted in one session, workplace policies for hybrid org arrangements. How do we create and maintain equitable practices and policies when our teams work across differing on-site and remote arrangements? I know we're going to be talking about these things in in all eight of our sessions, but this is one specific for yeah. When you're maintaining four different organizational cultures, how do you create policies and practice practices that are inclusive of of everyone in your organization? So this one, God, every one of these has like I know favorite it's, it people makes on here. Think that nobody's our favorite, but we're just really blessed to know so many dope people. We are, we truly are. Adam Garrett is from National Performance Network. Michelle Ramos is from Alternate Roots, and Laura Zabel is from Springboard for the Arts. 
everyone, each one of those uh, organizations and, and people have been doing amazing work through throughout COVID and, and before, certainly. So every time uh, every time we meet with the, those organizations, I, I fill multiple pages in my notebook. So I know this is going to be another one of those sessions. Yeah. And I think my favorite thing about MPN, Alternate Roots and Springboard is even when you know, even pre-COVID, they were all managing, you know, sort of different work arrangements from, you know, serving urban communities, serving having offices and staff in rural communities, um, and then like a really big geographic footprint. So I'm really excited to see, because for them, it really wasn't a COVID thing. It was like, they've been thinking deeply about organizational culture across, you know, multiple planes for a long time. Well, we've been fortunate to be able to talk with them, been able to talk with those organizations and people from the organizations multiple times throughout this past year. And you're right, the the way they're they're working and, and thinking about it is is really light years beyond um, a lot of organizations. So that's going to be that's going to be another good one. Well, and then we bring it all home with our closing um, session, our closing main stage that we've titled "Into the Future," where the two of us are sitting down in conversation with another one of our favorite people, Deborah Cullinan coming back onto the the show. And this is where we get to look toward the future and talk about experiments and iterating that people have been doing. One of the ones I'm really curious to ask Deborah about that both she and our colleague Laura Zabel at Springboard for the Arts have been um, noodling on is basic income. They both are part of consortium groups that are doing basic income experiments with artists and creatives in, in their various um, geographic areas. So I'm I'm really excited to hear how that's going and, and sort of the, the thought on that, the, the work on that. I mean, there's so many things that happened over the past year and much with your, you'll get to do that in 2040. I know Deborah has a long list of things that if, if time allowed. Deborah is um, one of those folks who can hold both like right now, like the urgency of now with, with how do we do future train stuff. So I think that's a great way to close out our day with just a little bit of like, you know, into the future instead of back to the future, which is where so many conversations take us, which is back. Yeah. So that's, that's the docket. Eight sessions, four hours worth of brilliant people talking about unethical things. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. The only thing that I am sad about is that it's not on a Friday so that we can't have an amazing happy hour afterwards. But, you know, being on a Tuesday, we should probably keep it zipped up and not too, too much fun. Producing this in three to four weeks. Yeah, we did. <laughs> maybe next time. <laughs> maybe next time. Yeah. I feel like this is my friend that got married in three weeks. They're like, yeah, we're getting married in three weeks. And their buffet table was a um, an ironing board that was covered with a, a tablecloth. I was like, Doug, is this an ironing board? He's like, three weeks, man. We just had three weeks. That's a great. That's exactly us right now. Just trying to get through. But we got the people. All You know what I've learned in the last year of doing? You know, I was trying to total up how many events experiences I've done in the last year with, you know, audiences. I think I'm getting close to like 30,000 people in venues that we've set up over the last year. And I got to tell you, the the one thing that matters is who's talking. If somebody's boring, the whole event stinks. If they're interesting, charismatic people asking really good, thought-provoking questions, it's going to be amazing. And we've got that. We've got a great group. We do. So fortunate that, that yeah. this group of people mm-hmm. said yes. Because it's it's going to be amazing. There's there's going to be a lot of really great thought work coming out of this one. Lauren, always a pleasure spending time with you. Oh, you're my favorite person to talk to on uh, Squadcast. You're also maybe the only person I talk to on Squadcast, Tim. <laughs> and with all of this, we hope you'll join us on Tuesday, April 27th for the Ethical Reopening Summit. 
You can find more information by visiting workshouldntsuck.co and clicking on the banner at the top of the page. And if you're like, I'd love to catch these sessions, but my schedule just won't allow it, you're in luck. Your summit registration will allow you to watch or rewatch all of the sessions after the summit concludes. If you've enjoyed the conversation or are just feeling generous today, please consider writing a review on iTunes so that others who might be interested in the topic can join the fun too. Give it a thumbs up or five stars or phone a friend, whatever your podcasting platform of choice offers. If you didn't enjoy this chat, please tell someone about it who you don't like as much. Until next time, thanks for listening.